So we're in a series we just started last week, and this series is on a study on the Ten Commandments, all right? And if you haven't seen it before, I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen the pictures. The Ten Commandments were written by God, later again repeated by Moses. Ten Commandments on two tablets, all right? Ten Commandments on two tablets. Those two tablets are two tablets for a reason. God didn't just run out of space as he was writing. I'm like, ah, oh, I need another sheet of paper. You got one? Okay, he didn't just do that. There's two tablets because the first half of the Ten Commandments deal with our vertical relationship between you and your creator, God and your parents, all right? The first five are vertical relationships, principles for the vertical. And then the remaining five, the second set, are your horizontal relationships between you and your neighbors. And so, listen, it's not a coincidence. When you combine a vertical line and a horizontal line, what do you get? You get a cross, right? The cross is a combo of a vertical and a horizontal. That's what that is. And the love that we are to, uh, to experience and share, we first must receive with God. Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. Do you not see the vertical and the horizontal relationship even there? As I love you, love others. And so there's a cross there. So as we look at the Ten Commandments, we're looking at it in five weeks because we are looking at the connection. We're going to take a horizontal line from the left and combine it to a vertical and combine it with a horizontal and show a connection. So last week we started, we did how commandment number one and commandment number six go together. Today we're going to look at commandment number two. And commandment number seven. And we're going to find a relationship principle that actually can show us why any of us, or some of us, or maybe you, why we struggle spiritually feeling close to God, or why some of us are also struggling romantically. All right? You're going to see the combo there. Ready? So let's check it out. Exodus 20. Uh, we're going to read commandment number one. So I'm sorry. Commandment number two. Let's start there. We're going to start with the vertical. Right? So I got you. If, if it's in your message notes, you guys have it. We got it on the screen for everybody online. You don't know how to search things out. Yeah, I got you. Here we go. So we're going to read Exodus 20. Commandment number two. We're going to read a couple verses. Verses 4, 5, and 6. So here we go. All right. There's a lot of do nots. And so here's a big do not on verse number 4. Do not make. All right. Key word there. Everybody say it with me. Online type it. Everybody say it. What is it? An idol. All right, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Do not make, was it on there? Okay. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything that's in heaven above or in the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow in worship to them. Do not serve them, for I, the Lord your God, if you were here last week, that's a phrase from commandment number one. I, the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. God's repeating that phrase, second commandment. Because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Okay. Punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generation. Uh-oh. For those who hate me. Man. All right. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations for those who love me and keep my commandments. Listen, I know God sounds petty right now, but just give me a second. All right. Give me a second. You'll see. You'll see. So, all right. What's commandment number one about? Do not, do not have any idols. Don't make any idols for yourself. Now, if you were with us last week, that almost sounds like commandment one. Why does God sound like he's repeating himself? Commandment one was, don't have any other gods before me. Commandment two was, don't make an idol for yourself. Isn't that the same thing? Well, kind of. All right? But this one, notice the phrase is, don't make one of yourself. So this now shows us that there is something inside of our hearts that we are prone to making something out of 
nothing really, or we, we are prone to make something that doesn't help us in the end. In fact, what God is pretty much telling his people right here then and still to us, because it applies to us today, guys. The Ten Commandments still matter to believers in the New Testament, to Christians today. Because, listen, back then, there was laws to show this is how, you know, follow these rules if you want to have life. And none of them, they always broke them. Guys, you and I, we've broken all these commandments. And that's why we praise God while we were singing a minute ago. We are grateful that Jesus died on the cross because he fulfilled the law perfectly so that we would not have to die because we've all broken these laws. But now because of Christ, we are forgiven. And now these ten commandments actually can show us how to live and how to enjoy the life that God gives us. And so here in this moment, do not have any other idols. What God is telling his people both then and now is this. Do not take good things and make them God things. That's it. Notice, don't make any idols for yourself. Do not take a good thing and make it a God thing. That is the problem. That's the problem. And I know a lot of times we look at it and, you know, it's depending on how long and what kind of Christians you may hang out with. You know, everybody got their opinions of, oh, you know, can Christians have this? Can Christians do that? Can Christians buy that? You know, like, let's say money or do this or whatever. Listen, there's a lot of good things in this world. But the problem is when we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing. Guys, we do this all the time. I want you to know this. We do it with stuff. Right? We do this with our stuff. We do this with hobbies. Right? We do this with, with our jobs, our hopes, our dreams. Guys, let me tell you the number one idol, the number one idol that you and I all have. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you find it. Ready? Everyone take your, take the, online, help me do this. I'm going to trust you. Take your finger out. I want you to put your hand out. Finger up. Okay. We're going to search for that idol right now. You ready? I need you to do this for me and do what I'm doing. It's you, okay? You, <clears throat> you can be the biggest idol. You worship yourself, all right? That's what we do. When we decide what is right and wrong, when we decide I am the Lord of my own life and I want to do what, this is me. Guys, we can be the source of the idol or we, it could even be us. All right, everything goes out of whack, guys, when God is not the center. Because an idol is anything that we use to worship instead of God. All right, I've heard this said, the opposite of Christianity is not atheism. The opposite of a religion is not atheism. The opposite of Christianity is idolatry. Because we all worship something. We all worship, we all look to. And you know what an idol is? What we worship is the one thing that we can look at and it's like, this is my source of hope. This is my source of life. You, you know one of the easiest ways to discover an idol? Let me ask you this question. What's the one thing if you lost it today, you would lose your will to live? Right now. What's the one thing if you lost it, you would lose your will to live? For some people, it's their job. It was their career, man. They would spend so much building this up and for them to lose that and start from the bottom the shame and having to do it all over again, that would be the end of it. They would rather die in that moment. People do that. Maybe it could be, I mean, there's so much that if you lost it today, you would lose your will to live. For a lot of people, it's a relationship. And again, relationships are good. I'm not saying that if you lost a loved one, it wouldn't be, you know, it would be difficult. Of course it is. But I'm talking about that I would, you would lose the, the will to live altogether. Because that now has become a source of life. It's different. You have taken a good thing and turned it into a God thing. And the things that we worship, we worship it with our time. 
with our money, all that. That's what we do when we all have these things and we have to guard our heart and be careful of it. It's very important that we do that and guard our hearts and not take good things, turn them into God things. Because notice how God described himself. He says, listen, why should you not do that? Because I'm jealous. And he's not jealous like those. He's not like, you know, some of us maybe had like a little psycho girlfriend, psycho boyfriend kind of a thing. Right? They, they, they hear the ping. Who's that? Who's texting you? Who's that? What are, what are they doing? Where you going? Who going to be there? Right? No, not like that. All right? Not that, right? Like some people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not that kind of a psycho jealous like hovering. Like, no, no not like that. that, that that's crazy. But. There is a kind of justified jealousy. There is a justified jealousy. I mean, in the same way, if you were, imagine, if you're in a committed relationship with somebody, I mean, you are all in. You are sold out. This is your boo and that's it. Ain't nobody else. You, yeah, this is the one and only. And that person doesn't feel the same way about you. How would that make you feel? You ain't, you ain't text nobody. You, you, you just think about her. And she be responding to everybody else's DMs, you know, the, all the people that slide in her DMs, she talking to them. Be, you know, meeting up, chatting up. And just, I mean, let's just, just the contact. I mean, but go even further, right? You, you save yourself for this one person. You do nothing for this person. This person be out there, you know, whatever, everybody who wants it, all right? They be Baskin Robbins. They got a new person every day of the week, 31 guys, you know, whatever. It's like, whoa, how would you feel? You would feel... Jealous, justified jealousy. It's like, I love you. And what you are giving to them, I want that. Wouldn't you feel like that? Of course you would. That's God. That's what he's saying. He's like, when you give yourself to an idol, when you bow, when you worship, he's not just talking about having, well, I don't got a statue. I don't got anything like that that I'd be bowing down to every two seconds. I don't got that in my house. But the idol is in your heart. The idol's in your heart. And so God is like saying when you do this, when you give yourself to so many things. Oh, by the way, let me just give you, let me show you an example here quickly. I'm going to read it fast. Paul says in Galatians, uh, Galatians not Galatians, Colossians. That's why I combined the two there. Colossians 3.5. He says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. See, so guys, idolatry is not just an object that you bow down to and you kind of have a shrine up. No, we have these shrines in our hearts. Maybe for, notice it could be greed and, and, and sin, pride, selfishness, sex, lust. All of these things can be idols that we give ourselves to and we surrender and we bow in worship. Do you guys know how also, this is what happens when you worship. You become what you worship. You reflect the nature of what you worship. And if we truly worship Christ, we begin to reflect Christ. But when we worship the stuff of this world, you don't look like him. You look like the opposite. Because it is what you give yourself to. It's what you're surrendering and bowing to. That's what that is. And he's saying, I'm a jealous God. I, I love you. Remember, commandment one, I delivered you. These demons didn't deliver you. By the way, idolatry is demonic worship. Guys, behind every idol is a demon. It's demonic worship. And it says, I delivered you from them. Commandment one, it was like, why would you give yourself, why do you still love your abuser? When look who I am, your savior. 
That's, that's what he's saying. Can you, he hears the God's heart there. I know that one was a little weird at the end. I was like, oh, so look, you don't want me. I'm going to punish you, your kids, their kids, your grandbabies, up until the third and fourth generation for everybody who hates me. But those who love me, a thousand. God sounds petty. I know, if you think about it. But there, there is, this is where, you know, you kind of figure it out because we have, uh, you know, you take something that was Hebrew, turn it into English, find the same way. But listen, there is a principle in God's law that he says, no one, no child should be punished for the sins of their father. Like God, or meaning as a society, you can't punish someone for the sins of someone else, for their actions. And what God is saying is this, listen, if you want to bow to idols, bow to demons, this, I'm going to let you, if this is what you want to do, I'm going to let you as much as I hate it because it's going to hurt you. And you will see the damage from what these demons are going to do in your children. This is the legacy you're going to pass on to them. That's the legacy you're going to pass on to them. And most people live to see their third and fourth generation. Some people do. So you are going to see the fruit of your own labor. And your kids, their grandkids, and your great-grandkids are going to be sucking on them sinful sour lemons. But check out the comparison. He says to the third and fourth generation. But how many generations is God going to love? A thousand. Guys, that shows mercy for God to say up until the third and fourth, and that's it. Shows the mercy of our God. And then look at the grace of God. And for those who look to me, oh, for a thousand generations. That shows the great mercy of our Lord. So you see here, what God wants is, hey, a relationship between you and me. Now let's look at commandment number seven. Remember, we're going to look at, that's your vertical, right? There's your vertical. Let's look at the horizontal. Can we put up commandment number seven, which is Exodus 20, verse 14. Guys, we're going to remember to read it, so you better pay attention. It's going to take a minute to read, all right? So it's going to take some time. Here we go. Commandment 7, verse 14, do not commit adultery. There it is. All right? So do not commit adultery means, pay attention, don't commit adultery, all right? That's it. Don't commit adultery. That's it. It's simple as that. And adultery meaning that you have a married couple. You have two people that are married and committed and they are not sleeping with anybody else but each other. You have a man born a man, woman born a woman, and they're together. All right, it's 2021. Somebody just canceled me. It's okay. All right, so that's what that is. That's what that is. Why? All right, let's focus on that horizontal relationship. What does this do? Well, first off, just like commandment number six, don't commit murder, we saw Jesus had something to say about murder. Jesus had something to say about this one. So let's look, let's go all the way to Matthew. I got this one for you guys. This one's going to be a little longer. Matthew 5, 27. Look what Jesus has to say about commandment number seven. In verse 27, he says, you've heard it said, talking to a Jewish culture, Jewish people that grew up with these Ten Commandments, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his where? Heart. So just like murder, where God is not only concerned about the, concerned about the cause of murder, he's concerned about the root of it. He says murder, if you hate somebody in your heart, you're a murderer. All right? If you even lust, you linger long enough. If you've ever looked at somebody, mm, that's it, done. All right? Game over. You did it. You are, you just committed adultery at that moment. You lingered long enough. That's it. It's over. Adultery. So that means a lot of us, we're all adulterers in the house. We are all murderers. We are all some sexually deprived assassins. That's who what we are. That's what we are. 
All of us, because we've all done that. And so God is not only concerned about the act of adultery, God is concerned about the root of it in your heart. So let's focus on that for a second. Why? Why? And so we see here, guys, that adultery starts in the heart before you get into bed. That's what it is. Adultery starts in the heart before you get into bed. And to God, if you cheat emotionally, if you cheat mentally, it's like you cheated physically. Some of y'all hate the fact that you showed up today. All right? I was like, what is this? Listen. All right? That's what it is. You can cheat on somebody emotionally and mentally with your heart. Even if you didn't go anywhere. Even if you didn't do anything with anybody. Because it all starts right here. Now, let me show you what the positive, guys, because I want you to know that every time there's a do not, it's a prohibition. But the reason why there's a prohibition, don't do this, it's because it is meant to protect something beautiful, something good, something positive. So what is the positive of honoring marriage between a man born? This is why marriage matters, right? This is why marriage matters. Why does it matter so much? Because this commandment, commandment number seven, just like commandment number six, don't commit murder. That protects the sanctity of life. Everybody has a right to life. You just can't go up and run around and just take it because. It protects the sanctity of life. But marriage, this one, it protects the sanctity of marriage and of sex. Now, I ain't got time to really go into that one. A couple weeks ago, I did a whole sermon on that. If you want to listen to me talk about sex for 45 minutes, you can do that. All right, go ahead. Look at it. It's another sermon a couple weeks later, sex and sanctification. You can look at it on our website. But here's what this prohibition does. When it says don't do, it means that the only way you can do is this. And so marriage matters. It puts marriage in a safe place, and it puts sex within marriage in a safe place, just like a fire. Now, I don't know, everybody online, who, who has a fireplace? I mean, in Florida, we don't got a lot of fireplaces. Anybody got a fireplace in your house? Like, in your house. Anybody here? Couple, right? Yeah, I figured very few. Online, let me know. Very few. Who got a fire pit in the backyard? Yeah, there we go. That's, that's Florida life, right? Outside. And so, I got one on the outside. Now, imagine this. Let's say you, it's cold and, and it's winter, right? For those four days, that's winter here in Florida, right? It's really cold. Your AC, your, your heater's not working and you got no other option. You got a fireplace in the house. You're going to light a fire. Where are you going to put the fire? In the fireplace, right? You're going to put it in the fireplace. Why? Because it was designed to contain fire in a safe way, Right in a safe place inside of your home and allows you to benefit from the fire without being hurt. Yes or no? It's designed to contain it and it's designed for you to enjoy it in a safe way. What happens if you set up your fire, your bonfire, in the middle of a living room? What's going to happen? You're going to burn the house down. You're going to get, why? Because the living room is not an environment to contain a fire. It's not made for that. This is what happens, guys. When we take sex out of marriage, it's like putting a fire pit, taking a fire, putting it in the middle of your living room. And when we don't hold to marriage for the definition of what it is, the reason why God cares about marriage between a man born a man, faithful to a woman born a woman, faithful back, is because marriage reflects the character and nature of God. And here is God. It shows a reflection of Christ being faithful to his bride, the church. It's a reflection of God's nature. This is why it matters. But it's more than that. It's not just because of his character. You see it over and over again in society. The more a society does not hold to marriage in that context, the more pain and hurt and harm you see in that society. 
Do you guys know that there's studies that show, it's called a nuclear family. If you have a home where you have a mother and a father, okay, again, born each that original gender. You have a mother and father, whether they're, uh, you know, two married people that have biological kids or they adopted kids or, you know, this is a blended family. But when you got that mix in there and God at the center, it's called the nuclear family. People, kids tend to grow up healthier, happier, mentally, emotionally, financially. They tend to because of the structure, because the family does matter. And then you look at every other thing outside. Guys, you know one of the biggest reasons why we have so much poverty and, and hurt incarceration. You know one of the co connecting reasons for high incarceration rates and high poverty rates? Broken homes. People born out of wedlock. Because they took the fire out of the fire pit, put it in the living room, burnt the whole nation down. That's what happens. And that's what's happening when you take it out of its context. And so this is designed to also be a positive for us, right? This is designed to be a positive in that way. And so we got to make sure we, we guard that. So it, when it says do not commit adultery, the positive is, yo, you got to guard this relationship. Your marriage relationship matters. It's an investment. So, guys, you guys see the connection between the two? Let's look at commandment two, don't have any other idols. Commandment number seven, don't murder. I mean, I'm sorry, don't commit adultery. Got it. Do you see the connection? Here's the relationship principle. Here's probably why some of you are struggling spiritually, feeling close to God. Or maybe if you're in your marriage, if you're struggling in your marriage or romantically, it's probably this principle right here that we see between the two. All right, your relationships, guys, will lack intimacy when there is no exclusivity. Please listen. Your relationship is going to lack intimacy when there is no exclusivity. Intimacy, guys, you know what that is. All right, that's closeness. That's a bond, right? That's just this right here. You intimacy. You're not going to have intimacy when there is no exclusivity. If you treat every relationship, if you treat your marriage or your romantic relationships like any other relationship and you don't prioritize that one, of course, that somebody is not going to feel in it. All right? Because it, it, that's what it is. Same thing with God, guys. If your relationship with God is not exclusive, you are going to lack intimacy. That's why he says, don't have any other idols with me. Because if you're worshiping them, you are worshiping. I mean, Paul talks about this. And later in, in Corinthians, he says, you, if we have uh, idols in our hearts and we do this, it's like you are drinking from the cup of demons. And if you, can you drink from the cup of demons and the cup of Christ? Guys, that's what it is. It is spiritual cheating when we do this. When we go and we give our, our, our amens and our hallelujahs and, and our all that on Sunday, and then we go right back to our home and start worshiping now the next God and the next and the next. This was what happened always with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And it didn't work well. That Guys, and that's the same thing. If you feel like you are far from God, God is not the one who took off. Your heart wandered. Your heart is all stepping out. You, you, you feel far from God because you're giving God your leftovers. You're not giving him your best. You give him your leftovers. I, well, I, you know, I don't know when the last time I prayed, I kind of, you know, have my little, you know, little quickie prayers in the morning, right, right before with my coffee. I'm kind of half asleep when I do that anyways. I kind of look at the verse of the day and kind of move on. I'm like, all right, God, it was good talking to you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. All right, I got to go. I got to go to work. And before you realize it, I'm like, oh, I got to get up Sunday. Oh, I got too much to do. I got to cut the grass. I got to do this. I'll go to church next week, next week, next day. And then you know, it's been a month or two. Guys, you're not going to feel close to God if you're visiting, visiting him on the random. 
That's the, and it works the same way with your romantic relationships, right? No way are you going to feel close to somebody if you're constantly out and doing and this and that and talking. And when you come, I was like, you know, yeah, I, I see my wife. I give her a kiss before I leave to go to work. You know, I, I don't text her throughout the day. I'm too busy. I come back, though, sometimes so tired, bro, from, from doing dealing with people. I don't want to deal with anybody when I come home. So maybe I'll just eat watching TV and we're just kind of chilling. Maybe we'll watch some Netflix and I'll just go to sleep. When was the last time we went on a date? I don't know. So, of course... That your relationship is not exclusive, it's not special. And because it's not special, you, of course you're going to lack that. And oh, when we fell out of, I've heard this all the time, guys, as a pastor, people get divorced. Why? I fell out of love or financial reasons, right? Oh, she had her bank account, I had mine, right? And this was just like my thing, and that's my money. You, you do what you want, that's my money. And, and so there was no closeness, no connection, no surrender. It was me and you. And so, of course, that's like, that's like every other relationship, you know? Same thing with God. It's like it matters. Guys, there's so much competing. And I'm telling you right now, God should not have to compete for your heart. He already did enough on the cross to show us that he is worthy of your attention, worthy of your honor, worthy of your life. He has done it all. He should not have to compete for demons. He should not have to compete for your heart for those things. He shouldn't. And let me tell you, if you're married, guys, your spouse should not have to compete with your hobbies, with your dreams, with your job. Your spouse shouldn't have to compete for all of those things. It's not. Okay? What we do, when we do it in that way, guys, look, imagine if you were with somebody and you were having a passionate night. I mean it, all right? You were having a passionate night. You're in it. And that person is constantly looking at the clock. When's this going to be over? How would you feel? Guys, we do that to God all the time. Some of y'all showed up here today. All right, God, I'm going to give you my time. When's this going to be over? When's this pastor going to stop talking, man? He's weirding me out. You're trying to be with God, and you're on the clock. You're looking at the clock. When am I done? Of course you're not going to feel and sense God. We do that all the time. It's like, right, I got to do my prayer thing, but I got I to hurry up. You know, I got to go. I got stuff to do. We do this emotionally, mentally, guys. You may be with your spouse, but you're, you're there physically, but your heart is not. Your mind is not. Your mind is somewhere else. Your mind is in your job. Your mind is this, and you're not present in the moment. And when we spend time with God, you may be reading or doing stuff, but your mind is on what you got to do. Your mind is somewhere else. Your mind is not in the moment, so you don't feel him close. Of course you're not, because your heart isn't close. It matters. It matters. And because it does, guys, we need to guard these two relationships. They matter to us. If you've already noticed, guys, all of us are unfaithful. This idolatry is being unfaithful to God. Adult, uh, adultery, being unfaithful to your spouse. This is about unfaithfulness. And we've all done it. But what's beautiful is that God remains faithful despite our unfaithfulness. Guys, he sees you looking at the clock. He sees you stepping out emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And here he is saying, I still love you and want you back. And I want to show you what I can do now. That's our God. He is faithful despite our unfaithfulness. So this is why we're so grateful for Christ and what he did for us. But now what we have to do, though, is because we need to be able to guard these important relationships, guys. And so here's my application. Ready? I'm, I'm going to make it easy. I'm telling you right now, this, this $10 investment. Now, I'm going to sound really sketch right now, but hold on, okay? This $10 investment. Act now, and you'll get, you know, no. Okay? This $10 investment, and you don't even need 10 bucks. You just, it, all right, but you do this today. And begin investing in these two relationships if you're married on the second, and you're going to see a difference. 
Go, go, to, go to Walmart when you leave here today. We got one down the street. Go to Walmart, go anybody, get a $10 calendar. You probably have one, probably don't use it. And schedule your time with God and schedule your time with a significant other, important relationships. Put it down and guard it. And I'm saying, this time is God's. This is so-and-so. This is what it is. You got to guard it. Schedule it. Why? Because there's a lot of things competing. You may realize, oh, man, you know, the day got away from you. And before you realize it, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't talk to God today. One day turns into 10, turns into a month, right? And same thing with your relationship with your spouse. You're, you're not, if you're not in it, when's the last time you really had a talk? When's the last time y'all were, mm, uh, no, I don't know, right? Because you're busy and you forget and it go, time goes away schedule that guard the most important things and so I'm gonna give you five ready listen I'm telling you now schedule your relationship with God pick a time let it be the same time every day to create a habit pick a time schedule with that right there and do it say I'm gonna spend 30 minutes with God I'm gonna I'm gonna give him an hour and guys listen what I'm trying to tell you is not look just don't give him a don't give him an hour and feel like ah, that's enough for the day the point is Take in, be intentional one every time throughout the day. Be intentional because the, what you're going to develop in that one hour is going to spill over into all the other hours. What you're going to develop in those 30 minutes is a mindset and a heart that you want to see carry out throughout the whole day. And so if you don't know where to start, this is why I told you I had a gift for you today. All right, now this one's free. All right, you don't have to pay for this. This one's free. If you go to the message notes, all right, tabernacleofgod.church, slide cup two to the left, message notes, at the very bottom there's a free PDF download. It's a rough draft of something that I'm working on to give people a guide, to be able to show them how can I spend an intentional 30 minutes with God and feel like I don't know what to do. An hour? Really? What am I going to do for an hour? I got you, bro. It's right here. All right, I did it for you. So I got it. Check it out. Download it. I'm gonna I challenge you guys this week take 30 minutes a day for for the next seven days see the difference it's gonna be a difference you got to invest and prioritize your relationship with God needs to be exclusive I have a standing appointment with my God listen some of you guys have standing appointments with uh, your golf appointments you know your sports you know your girlfriend your this or whatever who y'all got standing appointments that you don't miss for nothing all right little salon appointments you can go miss that don't miss your God appointment every single day, all right? And then let me give you another one because I, I challenge everybody in our church. Listen, if you want to grow spiritually, you need to connect with Christ daily. There you go. And you need to connect with Christians regularly. Guys, find somebody, a Christian, and take time every month and have a real standing talk with them. Let me tell you something. I, I do both those things, all right? Not perfect at it, but I, I try to carve because I know if I'm not doing good spiritually, Y'all are toast, okay? If I'm not doing good, y'all in trouble. For real, y'all in trouble. And so I got to guard that for my family's sake, for your sake, all right? But I also have a standing appointment every single month. I'm talking to another Christian, another mentor that I have every single month. And I'm trying to talk to them. I'm sharing what I'm going through so we can pray together because I need that. Guys, I need that. I'm not a superhero dude out here just kind of crushing it on my own and just oozing talent, okay? That's not me, all right? I have a standing appointment every single month to get, be real and honest and open with friends and said, bro, here's my situation. I'm struggling with this. I, I, I need to talk to somebody about it. I have that. If I have that, you need that. You need that, all right? And so those two, if you have that rhythm of connecting with Christ daily and with Christians regularly, you are going to see you are making your relationship with God exclusive, important. But let me give you, all right, so now I got the relationship one. So I got three categories, married, dating, single. Here we go, ready? So now let me give you a horizontal one. If you are married, talk daily, date weekly, and get away regularly. 
do that. Make that relationship exclusive. If you meant it, when you said, I do, I, you know, cast off everyone else and only you, you know, I, 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 all that, then mean it. Talk daily. Have a meaningful conversation at some point. When you say, how was your day? Have a real one, all right? Really, how was it? All right? Be there. Even at about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, solid conversation. Have a solid conversation daily. Date weekly and be able to, you know, get away regularly. And you don't even need a lot of money to do that, guys. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I did those two. Those three things have changed my life over the last five years. I hate to say it. Where I was, I was a pastor... You know, five, six years ago, I was burning the candle on both ends for you. I'm not blaming you. Okay, all right, I did it for you. I'm trying to save you guys. I'm trying to help you. It's not you. Look, that was me. I, I, my time with God was like fast food. It's all quickie stuff. My time with God was fast food. It's quick stuff. My time with, with Alicia was always talking about something else, never something real. Ne never something about us. It was always about other people. People, all right. Anyway, it's always about us. And we just didn't go on dates. And we're like, oh, we can't afford to go on a date. We can't do this. So we did nothing. So we just sat there like bums watching, you know, like zombies. And we, sh we shifted that. I, I wasn't talking to anybody. No one knew what I was going through. I just kept it up. I had to be, had to put the front up. No, I, I changed those three things, guys. And I have been happier, healthier, spiritually closer to God. Because when I try to be, I'm just going to be intentional. I, I don't want to just have a quickie fast food meal with God. Now I'm going to have a slow cook, you know. I want to have a slow cook moment here with him. Some spiritual soul food. That's what I want. That started changing. I started talking to other people. That started changing. Me and her, our date nights, every Friday night, standing appointment. We're in our backyard and we're just talking. That's free. The only thing that it costs us is the energy to get from the couch to go to the backyard. Away from TV, away from the, we put our phones inside and we talk. That has changed our life. We have been more closer than ever because we're being more intentional. That matters. So if you're married, do that. All right, my, uh, my dating folks, I know I got some here. Here we go. Fall in love. Don't make love. Okay. All right. So you fall in love. Don't make love. But you can fall in love. But don't expect that person to fulfill you. Got it? I got to rewind that one one more time. Fall in love. That's Okay. Don't make love, that's not okay. Fall in love. There's time for that. Fall in love. But don't expect that person to fulfill you because they will let you down. And all my single folks, keep pursuing and pursue the one true God more than you're looking for your one true love. That's it. Pursue your one true God more than you do your one true love. You do that? I'm telling you. You're investing. You, God is going to be shaping you, preparing you for the person that you're going to be for when that person shows up. But guys, I just want to help you. Listen, I want to warn you from the scam that is idolatry and adultery. Idolatry and adultery, it's a scam. They work the same way that those Nigerian princes do on the internet. The same thing. The same thing. You've seen it, right? What do those Nigerian princes do? Right? I got a lot of money I'm going to give you. Just give me a little of yours. I got a lot of money coming your way. Just give me a little of yours. And those who have fell for it, they give a little. But then it's always a little more. And it's just always a little more. And it's, it is just enough not to hurt you, not to bother you. I'm like, oh, man, whatever, you know, I'll do it. Just a little, just a little, just a little. In the end, you got nothing, you're broke. They took it all. Idolatry and adultery do the same thing. They offer you and promise you everything that you want. Outside of God. You get every, you get the benefits of God without him on your terms. 
And idolatry and adultery just say, I'll give you all of this if you just give me a little piece of your love. Just give me a little piece of your soul. A little more of your soul. A little bit of that worship. A little bit of your attention. A little bit of your heart. A little bit of your love. Just a little bit. Just a little bit to stay under the radar. But just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Before you realize it, you are left empty and broken. But that's what's so amazing about our God. Is that our God can restore Everything that the enemy has robbed of us. The enemy has robbed peace, joy, significance, value, worth, time. The enemy has robbed time from you. And yet in Christ, he can restore those very things and so much more. And he is gracious about it. We don't deserve that. We're the ones who cheated on him. We stepped out on him. But yet he is always welcoming and says, I know. And that's why I had to die for you on the cross. So I can fix this. Idolatry, adultery, it's a scam. Jesus is the real deal. Idols, they just take and take. God gives. Idols take and God gives. He is the real deal. And so I want to challenge you today, especially for my believers and my, you know, Christians in the house. If you feel far from God, I'm telling you, you have given what you should have been given to God. You're giving it to other things. That's why you feel far from God, because you've given your heart away not to him God knows it but he says I still love you and the next thing we do is give him this moment give him our time some of you if you're not you haven't been doing well romantically it's because you're doing you took the fire place and you put it in the living room all right chill with that you're not helping you're hurting if your marriage is falling apart it's because you haven't I guarantee you, you haven't prioritized God and you haven't prioritized the other person so what do you got to do Recognize it, repent from it, replace it, and get to work. And know that God is with you, and you are not alone. He is the real deal, and he wants to give us life. It's up to us if we want to say yes and receive it. So I want to pray for you guys as we're wrapping up. And so I want you guys to reflect here because we got everybody all over the place. So let's just kind of focus all, let's, let's focus on our horizontal relationships right now. I want you guys to process and think. All my married folks in the house, I want you to take a minute and to reflect. I know this one hurt. I know I, I was up in your kitchen right now when I was out exposing you. I'm like saying, yep, the fact that you feel far from the person that you sleep with is because your heart is not even in that bed. Your body's in that bed, but your heart isn't. Your mind isn't. And so I need you to recognize, if you feel that and you recognize that, I need you to repent from that right now. And I need you to repent to God and say, Lord, forgive me for giving my heart away. Forgive me for not being present emotionally, mentally with my spouse right now. And if you're with your spouse right now, I need you to turn right now and say, I'm sorry. And say, I'm sorry. Right now in this moment, repent of those things. If your spouse is not with you, text them right now and say, babe, I have not been giving you my all. You know, maybe you haven't been cheating on anybody, but it's, again, your mind is now, it's like, you know, I haven't been prioritizing our relationship, but I want to do better starting today. I want to do better starting today. I want to do better by you. That is God honoring. If you're single, if you're dating and you're, you're playing house and you ain't even got the ring on the finger, you're playing house, I need you to repent of that. Because, listen, sexual lust and all of that is an idol. You are using that for your own personal, you are using the other person for your own personal benefit. I said it. That's what you're doing. Yeah, you might love them, but there is a sense of selfishness in there. You are using that other person as a toy for your personal benefit. You need to stop. You need to repent of that, of misusing. You are stealing from their future spouse. If you end up breaking up, you're stealing from them. And you're giving away to someone else what you could be, should be giving and saving for that one person if you get married. 
All you have to do, I don't want you to feel shame. I just want you to be able to. Well, no, I do want you to feel shame. Let me be real. I do. Feel that shame, but I want you to turn around and say, listen, repent from God so that he can take, he's the only one that can take it away. He's the only one that can take it away. And if you're single and you feel lonely and lost and I don't have anybody, no, you do. You don't need another person to feel special. You don't need another person to feel fulfilled. You don't need another person. That person is called Jesus. That's all you need. He will satisfy you in a way no other person can. He will fulfill you in a way that no other person can. So if that's you right now and you are looking for, you care more about your one true love than your one true God, you got to repent from that right now and say, God, I am sorry that I put you on the back burner. Holy Spirit, I know that you are working and, and searching our hearts right now. But God, at the same time, Lord, I am grateful, God, that you are not just bringing condemnation. You are just bringing correction because you want us to step in closer. You want us to draw near to you. You want, God, to remove these very things, to remove the shackles. You want, I want the same thing. You want to see everybody's marriage thriving. You want to see people right now not, you know, broken and, and empty. You want to see them fulfilled in you. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that every single idol, every single idol that is in our hearts, may you expose it right now, Holy Spirit. I pray that each and every one of us may recognize it, recognize these attitudes, actions, sinful desires. May you, we recognize it, Lord. Repent from it right now and receive the forgiveness and love and grace from our God. Guys, I want you to know right now that I I don't care if you feel I don't deserve God's love. I know you don't. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it amazing. Receive it now. And God knows it. He knows you better than yourself. And, and you're a, more of a hot mess than you think. But he, that's why you need him. So just read. I want you. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Receive the love of God by faith. Say yes to Jesus. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now. For those of you, I need you listening. Because the reason why this other stuff ain't happening is because... God has never been your one true God yet. As Christians, we got to guard our heart. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to say yes to say, I want Jesus. You've tried everything else. How about one more? How about Jesus? Try him. Put your trust in him. And he does not and will not let you down. In him, you are going to find the very thing that you've been looking for. And it's been looking for you all along. God has been looking for you. The giver of life has been looking for you. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I say yes to Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. My life is no longer my own. I give you my life. And help me to follow you and find life in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you right now. I am praising your name because I know that you are, I see it and I know you're doing a work in our hearts and our minds right now. God, I believe in the name of Jesus that the light of your love is shining on us today. Lord, I pray that it shine and melt away shame, melt away regret right now, giving us a reassurance, a hope, knowing that our situation can be and doesn't have to always be this way. It could be different. And Lord, I thank you right now for the hope that we have in you, that we are not left abandoned and alone to feel this out on our own, but you give us the spirit of the living God to give us strength and help in our time of need. And so God, I pray right now and I present the needs of everybody and I place them right now in the court of heaven before you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you may encourage and motivate and show each and every one of us what we need to do to be able to make our important relationships exclusive, especially Lord, our relationship with you. God, I thank you for your mighty grace. I thank you for your love, your faithful, loving kindness, God.
We want to bless you and honor you and thank you for that.